Hello, hello, and thanks for checking out episode 84 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on episode 84 of Eyes Free Sports, we are visiting with a longtime Beep baseball player who has also recently gotten involved in the board of directors of the National Beep Baseball Association. In addition, he has competed in martial arts at a pretty high level as well and has uh, some really interesting stories about that experience too. So let's go ahead and hit the field now and get swinging with episode 84. Okay, so my guest here on this episode is Demetrius Morrow, uh, known to some as Demo. And uh, Demetrius is a longtime beat baseball player and has also competed in some other adaptive sports uh, for the blind as well. Demo, welcome to Eyes Free Sports. Oh, Greg, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Awesome. Really excited to to chat with you here and i know we've got a lot to get into uh so why don't we just start things off here just kind of talking about your background and as far as your early years talk to me about where you were born and where you grew up so i was um born in st louis missouri i grew up there and that's why i found my love for sports um you know yep. growing up in st louis you gotta you gotta you grow up as a cardinals fan like it's, it's like ingrained into your blood like Cardinals red, <laughs> blood is red. He got via Cardinals fed. Right. So I grew up there, lived in St. Louis for 18 years. Uh, that's where I, uh, I left there to go to Colorado, to go to the Colorado Center for the Blind um, as I lost my vision. Let me see. After, yeah, a uh, little, little past my 18th birthday, I would say I went out there. Okay. Yep. So just after you became legal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yep. And what exactly is your eye condition? So I have a, a eye condition. I thought it was rare, but as I got into the blind community and I started meeting more people with it, it's called uveitis. Pretty much, it's inflammation of um, the UV part of your eye, um, and it's just where the inflammation just eats up, like the us usable parts of your vision. It doesn't necessarily affect the optic, the nerve. Um, just the eyeball. And so I dealt with that started when I was 14. Um, I remember like it was yesterday, my high school football coach came to the middle school, brought all the eighth graders down and sat us in the cafeteria and was telling us about the you know upcoming season and how to you know, get into football for the high school. And I was all excited about it. Cause I, you know, I was playing sports up in, Till then, as a child, then that summer, I thought I had pink eye. Went to my mm. primary doctor, and they, you know, gave me ointment to treat the pink eye, and it wasn't working. And then they sent me to the Children's Hospital of St. Louis to see a specialist over there. And um, I think I had like one or two surgeries over there, just where I like drained the flu out of my eyes or whatever. And um, you know, I still didn't know what was going on. Maybe. Like, like a year later, they sent me to the Retina Institute at another hospital. And um, from there, things just started getting worse and worse and worse. I had detached retinas. Oh, I had, wow. you know, cataracts removed out of my eyes. Um, and then I think like a year, year and a half later, they finally told me what I had, which was uveitis. And, um, yeah, I went from 14 until 18, I lost all my vision. It was a normal, I mean, I wore glasses as a kid, but I didn't have any, you know, 
eye disease or anything like that. And then yeah, when I turned 14, it just hit me and started going downhill. Nobody in my family has it. It's just one of those rare things. It just popped up and happened to call my name. And it latched on to me. I think uh, like the hardest thing was in that, you know, I was in that high school range. So trying to deal with that and go through high school at the same time, you know, high school is already hard enough. Sure. And sure. then um, going through losing my vision. Wow. Missed out on all the sports. So that did really suck too. No doubt. Yeah. And I assume you did play sports then kind of before you started losing your vision. Yeah. I played uh, baseball and football. Gotcha. And I'm curious at that time, you know, during your teen years, when you started having the vision loss, did you, uh, were you aware of any sports for the blind or did you pretty much have no idea just about the blind community and, you know, community in general services, technology, all that stuff. So later I'd say like my junior year of high school, well, okay. So my sophomore year that I got with, um, vision services through the school yep. and then, um, so through that, you know, I started losing, I was losing more and more vision. Um, and then I got hooked up with, um, rehabilitation services, folk rehab, um, of Missouri. And I remember my counselor coming to my school one day and, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to go get a job and things like that. Cause you know, my peers were working and getting that white licenses and you know doing all this you know normal teenage stuff so i was like i, I want to go get a job like oh, yeah. yeah so he came yep. he came to, yeah he came to my school and um we were sitting in like the conference room and he was like he did this thing to me where he was like um like showing how much vision i didn't have that i you know i didn't even realize at that time and he was talking to me and he's like am i looking at you and i, I was like yeah he's like, no i'm not and I was like, oh, this is not good. This is not yep. good. And um, so, yeah, that started my journey out to Colorado. Um, he told me about the Missouri School for the Blind. But at that time, uh, you know, I was still in regular school. And when he told me, like, yeah, you go there and uh, you like you live there. I was like, what? I'm like I have a I have a home. I'm not I'm not ready to leave my home and go live at this place with other kids and everything. But thinking back on it and you know knowing what I know now and how my life turned out, I wish I would have taken them up on that at least to like do a, like a summer program or something just to be around other blind people and get introduced to blind sports. Right. Right. Got you. And then, uh, so as far as Colorado, how did you wind up going to the Colorado Center for the Blind? So, um, you know, as an, I turned 18, I had to figure out something to do. Like, so I, I left high school, like, I didn't go back for my second semester of my senior year. I remember leaving drama class and walking out to the common area. And, and you know, you, you have the two doors and sometimes there's a bar in between the two doors. Yep. And I walked right into that bar, the, mm. the frame, and I was like, all right, I don't, I don't think I can do this anymore. So I didn't go back to school after the semester. Um, so I was just you know, spending my time at home, twiddling my thumbs, doing nothing. And um, I was like, yeah, I, I don't want to live this way. I got I to gotta do something. I got to go somewhere to get trained up and you know, be 
to know, learn how to live as a blind person to be independent. So he told me about several different facilities where I could go, like uh, Kansas City, Cleveland, uh, North Dakota, a couple other ones, and uh, Colorado. And like out of all of them, I was like, all right, well, Colorado sounds better than any of those. <laughs> I'm going go, to go out here to Colorado. So, um, yeah, left St. Louis April of 03. And uh, never, never look back. Wow. So 20 years coming up on 20 years. Yeah. Yep. And then, so just talk to me a little more about that, the program at that center for the blind, how long were you there and what did you kind of learn? So I, um, no, I was, they, you know, when I was in high school, they tried to teach me cane travel and everything, but I was resistant to that because I was going to school with a girl who was blind, but I didn't know she had other physical disabilities and so sure. her cane wasn't tr- the traditional white cane it was like more like a push broom because she didn't have good hand mobility hmm. and so i thought you know they're gonna give me something like that and i'm like no i can't i can't be walking around school like that i think i'm the janitor or something <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I was resistant to to that part of the blind training through the school. Um, so once I got to Colorado and I was learning everything from scratch, um, I learned how to use a cane. I learned Braille. Um, I, I graduated from Braille uh, grade two, got there in April and, um, the convention was like early July, you know, the 4th of July weekend. And, um, I was already graduated from grade two Braille by then. So I picked up Braille really fast. I don't, I didn't keep up with it. <laughs> uh, technology <Nope>. sure <laughs> uh, but then I learned computers and you know just how to live independently as a blind person manage checkbooks cleaning and some cooking skills and yeah I was off the races from there I did that program from April of 03 to February of 04 and then um, got my own place out there and was living out there until um, 2020, doing my thing out there in Colorado. Was that in Denver? No, I was in Littleton. I was, so oh, okay. the school's in Littleton, and then uh, I got my place in Littleton, actually, like two miles away from the from the center. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, then moving on to adaptive sports. Uh, so just talk to me about kind of when you first found out about, you know, adaptive sports for the blind and... Was it beatball? Was that kind of your first sport that you played? Yeah. Yep. My, um, my first roommate, when I got to Colorado, you know, they put you two to an apartment. He was from Massachusetts area and he was blind as a kid. So he came up in around blind people and adaptive sports and things. And he was telling me about, you know, baseball for the blind. And it just so happened that the world series that year was actually in Denver, Colorado, Aurora, Colorado. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and Colorado—they had a team, you know, eighties, nineties, early two thousands, um, and then like two thousand one, two thousand two, they didn't have a team. But they got the World Series in two thousand three, and they were putting a team back together. And he found out about it, and he told me about it, and asked me that I want to go to practice, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, um, I don't know about this 
baseball for the blind, but you know, I'll go check it out. I miss I missed playing sports at that time and played in four or five years and baseball's in my blood. Like I said, coming from St. Louis. Been a huge Cardinals fan. And I was like, all right, I'll go check it out and got out there, dropped that cane and got on that field and it was it was a wrap. I was I was in love. I was in love with people. <laughs> Wow. So you knew pretty, pretty much immediately. This, this game is for me. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm here every, every time we have practice, I'm here. And then, like I said, having the world series out there at that time, you played Wednesday to Saturday, not like it is Tuesday to Saturday now. And so I was still going to the center. So we played Wednesday, Thursday, got eliminated Friday. I was back at the center. You know, taking classes and stuff. Super sore, beat up from playing <laughs> beatball because I had never yep. played at a high high level like that. You know, we we just practiced up until that point. We didn't play any games, so I didn't know what it was actually like to play in a tournament until the World Series. So, right, right. And so, was that with the the Colorado Storm? Then you started with. Uh, at that time, we were the Rocky Mountain Eagles. Um, oh, okay, we became we became the Colorado Storm in two thousand and six. Gotcha. Um, a couple of years later. Yep. And yeah, let's just talk a little more about your beatball career. Um, defensively, what positions uh, do you play in the field? So I started out, um, you know, playing that short right position. And I pretty much played there in my first like seven, eight years or so. Um, and then from there, I started moving around. And once I found like the middle to deep positions, I was like, this is my spot. This is this is where I need to be. And um, <laughs> so I, I kind of found my home at the mid-level positions. Um, felt like I became a pretty good defender at that level through the middle of my career. Um, I've played, you know, throughout my time playing b-ball, I've pretty much played all levels of the field, both sides of the uh, field. But definitely the middle is my favorite. Right, right. And then uh, at the plate, at the dish, how would you kind of describe your your batting style? Your any anything you want to mention? You know, highlights in terms of uh, big hits, big runs you've gotten. So this sucks to say as a Cardinals fan, but um, my um, if you look at me batting, I'm like a right-handed David Ortiz, like the way I stand with my leg, my front leg out, straight out, and lean back on my uh my back leg crouched down and I'm a power hitter um I like to drive the ball um more of a line drive hitter than a big air hitter my favorite one of my best hits um I've been playing for 21 years so it's kind of hard to pick one <laughs> sure sure <laughs> definitely um I mean I, I did win an award at a regional tournament in 2012 in Wichita after I um I was actually rehabbing from a pinch sciatica in my right leg from judo. Ooh, and, um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to, you know, come back and get, get that um, award at that tournament. So um, and I've won an MVP at the Bolingbrook tournament batting 750. And I think it was 2011 plenty of regional awards in my career over the time. Nice. Nice. Uh, as far as World Series, any any World Series that really have stood out to you in your career? 2016 was probably my favorite and my worst. Um, we had a team that, you know, had lost a couple of players that were 
big contributors to what we were trying to do. Um, they went to another team. And so our 2016 team was just, you know, a couple core guys that were in Colorado and one, one guy who was actually going to the center at that time. And, you know, we, we were being counted out and nobody believed in us. Um, we went to St. Louis, went back to my hometown in 2016 and won that tournament beating the um, Thunder. You know, that was the beginning of their run in 2016. Sure. Um, but we did, we did beat them in that regional tournament for the championship. So that was pretty good, especially doing it in St. Louis. Oh, nice. Um, yep. Going to the World Series, you know, nobody was still giving us, you know, the respect. You know, they were saying that that tournament didn't really mean anything that wasn't the true thunder because they would go on to not lose a game again that season. We got to the World Series and we lost our first game to the Indy Edge, but then we rallied back throughout the week, beat Houston twice. You know, Houston at that time, powerhouse team, top five team, top three teams. Sure. Um, beating them twice, once on Friday to make it to the semifinals game uh, where we lost to Boston. And Boston when Boston actually beat us twice in the double elimination tournament. They actually single-handedly put us out. Um, another reason I don't like Boston. No, <laughs> it's not just the Red Sox. Uh, yep, it's, it's, yep. the, it's the Renegades also. Both our teams. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, both of those games against Boston, we were leading going into the six and just couldn't hold the lead. Um, they came back in the semifinal game. Their batter hit a ball, game winner. And it just, as I was going down, grazed my hip and got under me and mm-hmm. yeah that was pretty devastating but as a team it was our one of our best finishes as Colorado in the history of Colorado so you know for that aspect of it I was proud but it hurt not to you know make that play and get our team to the championship oh yeah one of those you know game of inches right moments yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then as far as the Colorado Storm, I understand they, they eventually folded or what's kind of the current status there? So, um, yeah, in 2018, we, we went to the World Series and then 2019 came and, you know, we were gearing up and then some life, circum- some life things happened with some people on our team that was unfortunate. So we weren't able to go as a team Colorado team and then um, I reached out to San Antonio, the Jets I knew a bunch of guys on there, I was friends with them and uh, they brought me on let me come onto their team and I played with them in 2019 through 2021, but as far as Colorado goes, yeah, we haven't had a team there since 2018 you know, there's still guys out there who want to you know, I don't know if they want to play the World Series competitively, but you know they still want to get out and do some things and try to get the program back up. But it's just not there right now. Right, right, yeah, definitely. You know, pulling for them anytime you see a team that's been around that long. Obviously, yeah. they're not the only one. A lot of other teams have kind of 
gone by the wayside for a variety of reasons, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, would love to see them kind of get, get rolling again at some point. Yeah, for sure. So then transitioning to the, the archers, the gateway archers, uh, your current team, just talk to me about how that kind of unfolded, how you ended up with your hometown, hometown archers. So 2021, I was playing with the jets, but the archers were going, um, to a tournament in, um, Champaign, Illinois. And, you know, I was home back in St. Louis for like two weeks in April and they let me come out and practice, practice with them, um, a few times. And, um, I knew Richie Crussell was, was playing with Colorado since 2013. And then he went to the edge for a year, to, the uh, Indy edge for a year or two before going to play with the gateway archers his hometown team also and um he was telling me about it and went there was practicing with them met the rest of the team got along well with them um like like what they were doing and they asked me if i could come help them out in champagne because they were going to be short a couple of players and did that uh went out there and played with them had a good time um they went to the World Series that year. Finished well, you know. They started. I think they were started seventeenth and finished ninth. So yeah. definitely, a, definitely a good showing for them. Going into the off season, I think they changed like their philosophy on how they were going to recruit players, or whatever. Because at first you had to like live there, but then they kind of right. said, "All right, well, you got you you're from you pretty much, you know, you're, you're Missouri, you're St. Louis, so." You don't live here anymore, but all your family's still here. You're from here. Like, let's let's make this happen. Let's let's bring you home. And I was like, say no more. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so got with the archers in um, last year in 2022, and we just went started running from there. And it's been great so far. Um, you know, our World Series finish last year wasn't what we expected. Um, it was very humbling coming off you know the 2021 season when they got ninth we finished 13th last year um we had better aspirations than that um i got hurt the first day um against boston (laughs) boston thing again (laughs) yep always keeps popping up (laughs) yeah um so no i personally my world series wasn't where i thought it would be and for our team goals, it wasn't what we thought it would be. So just going into the season, we are looking to bounce back and do what do what we think we can do, what, what we think we are, the team that we think we are. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely think there are they're bright things ahead there for the archers. Yeah, and um, no, Mind's Eye and our sponsor organization is doing great things in the area, not just with beatball, but you know, with um, adaptive sports in general and um, advocating for disabled people and providing services for disabled people, visually impaired, blind people. We're putting on that tournament in July. I'm very looking forward to that. Um, A lot of my family who haven't seen me play in my 21 years will be out there. So I'm excited to go put on a show for them. And then we got the World Series in 24 and 25 and that's that's huge that's so exciting um to be able to spend a week in st louis playing ball and 
having people, you know, I went to school with that, you know, knew me before I was blind and I haven't, conne- I haven't connected with outside of Facebook will get a chance to come out and, you know, see the sport that I'm so passionate about. And hopefully we can, as a team, you know, do well, have a good showing in those two years in, in our home state. For sure. Yeah. And to get back to back, you know, series like that, obviously that doesn't happen too often. Yeah. Back to back years. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And the, 2025 World Series will be the 50th year of the NBBA, so another big celebration. Mm. Wow, very cool. I'm just backtracking a little bit. I didn't ask you too much about the Jets, but uh, getting to play with the San Antonio Jets, obviously one of the top teams. You know, they've been in the, the championship a couple times here and there recently. Uh, just any any highlights from that experience you want to mention? Um, man, to play with the Jets, it was it was an honor um, like i said i knew the guys down there we we've been hanging out since you know they've come into the league good group of guys um and then getting to hit off what i would consider the best pitcher in the league kevin simpson sure. for two years was it was just amazing i couldn't ask for anything more it was a great time the guys showed me love it sucks we didn't you know, I didn't, we didn't get the ring. We didn't get the championship in my two years there. You know, we played in two championship games, um, fell short both. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. It was a great time. And I appreciate the guys for allowing me to go through that with them. Right. Sounds like a great experience. And like you said, just getting exposed to some of those veteran, uh, you know, legendary Hall of Fame caliber players, I'm sure was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so moving on to the the board, so I know you have been involved uh, with the NBBA, the National Beat Baseball Association board, uh, kind of the the off the field, you know, type role that you've taken on in addition to, mm-hmm. to actually playing the game. And just kind of talk to me about how you got into that and, and what your roles have been and kind of your maybe ideas or future goals in that role. So I was I was always a guy who was, you know, on Facebook, you know, talking, 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 talking you know, about, you know, what the board isn't doing and what they could be doing. And, you know, they always say, don't, don't talk about it, you know, do something about it. And I had been mulling over running for the board position for a couple of years. I thought I would run in 2021, but I just didn't pull the trigger. You know, before then I had been on a couple of committees. I served on the diversity committee. I think it's diversity and projects. I served on that committee, but, you know, I was always listening to, the board meetings when, you know, they would have the phone calls, I would call in and call into different committees and, you know, just listening to how the league works, and, um, seeing the behind the scenes and gaining knowledge on the process of the league. And I felt like it was my time in 2022. So I was decided to you know, put my money where my, my mouth is and stop talking about it and get involved and the board to you know help the league prosper and um yeah i ran and i won a board seat they got all the board of directors that got voted on last year i had the highest vote total so that says something about what the people around the league think about me definitely and just my role is i'm um i'm the chair of the ranking committee we 
provide the platform to bring all the teams together to get them the information that they need to make accurate seedings for the World Series. Um, every team gets a chance to seed the other teams in the league um, for the World Series. So being a part of that committee, you know, I love talking beatball. I love breaking down film and statistics and being part of that committee and now being the chair of it. It was, it's a, uh, it's been a great honor. I would like to see, like to see the league. I don't want to say get more competitive because I think it's a competitive league, but I would like to see less of a gap from the top to the bottom. I'd like to bring the bottom teams up to where they can compete with the best teams in the league. Right. Another thing is that I've been working on and um, will be passing. I think it will be passing soon as a policy is changing how we do defensive awards. Right now, we just award six um, awards to the best defense players by average putouts per game. Um, and it usually goes to six shortstops and it doesn't recognize the rest of the guys on the field who are, you know, just as good. Um, it's like I said, 2025 will be the 50th year of the league. And we've had mid mid guys and deep guys who haven't got the recognition just because of the way we do the awards. So I've worked on a policy to change that to where we can honor all levels of the field, mid, I mean, short, mid and deep. So get more guys recognition for their hard work. And yeah, that's my, that's my role on the board. I'm just trying to recognize more people, figure out a way to make it more competitive from a athlete standpoint to get more people to um, feel like they're involved in contributing. Right. Right. Exactly. Nobody wants to pay, you know, it's not cheap to go to the world series. We're talking, you know, thousands of dollars on, on the low end, you know, $10,000 per team to go to the world series. And nobody wants to go out there and, and just get beat up for the whole week. You right. want to be competitive. You want to feel like you have a chance to go out there and win a championship. And I want to bring that to, to everybody in the league, not just a few teams. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I kind of think of like March Madness and you see a lot of the upsets, kind of the mid-major teams, you know, in basketball yeah, that uh, exactly. upset the big ones and it kind of shows that obviously it doesn't happen all the time, but uh, every team kind of has a, a shot and yeah, no matter their, their talent or whatnot, they're, you know, they're, they're good enough to potentially compete. So exactly. Um, yeah, so let's move on to judo. So along with beatball, I know you've also been into the martial arts and uh, just talk to us about uh, kind of how you were introduced to to judo originally. So I through um, a friend of mine, uh, his friend, he, he came out to beatball one day and he was uh, doing judo and he was telling us about it. And this is like, Oh, eight, he came out in the summer, came out to practice or two. And, um, he had just moved to Colorado and he was training at this place called Denver Judo. And, um, after the season, I told him, I'm like, you come out to be ball out after the season, I'll go out to judo and went out to practice and like, like B ball, like fell in love with it, being able to use my strength and, 
body to move another man against his will is <laughs> is uh exciting. Um, you know, to throw someone who does who's trying not to be thrown yep. is a great feeling to make them, you know, submit or choke them out. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's fun. Um, For sure. Yep. Yeah. So I got into that and um, just, just the aspect of like, not even the fighting part, like the practices, like you're in a makeshift garage and you got on full gear and, like you got a two hour practice and like by the time you're done with practice, like everything you have on is just soaked in sweat. So the working out aspect of judo, the practices was great, great conditioning. And then I realized that there was a another level of judo with it being a Paralympic sport. Um, sure. Now the, the whole time I was playing b-ball, I didn't really know anything about the Paralympics. Um, Cause you know, b-ball is not a Paralympic sport. So Right. I didn't know. I didn't know that we could go and compete in the same facilities that the able-bodied Olympians were competing in. So once I got into the judo, and they would start telling me about that, and it just so happened the club I was going to, Denver Judo, the senseis were the coaches for the Paralympic team. So hmm. you know, they they they're like oh, blind guy. Like we're we're pushing you to to make it to this level. I didn't make it to the Paralympics, but I did make it to the Pan Am Games in 2011 in Guadalajara, Mexico. I also made a, a world team in 2010 and um, that went to Istanbul, Turkey. But when I, uh, it was weird. We went to Mexico and um, was there, like we weren't in Mexico the whole two weeks, but we went there, came back to Colorado to train because we had better facilities. And then we went back to Mexico to compete. So the whole process was like a two week long process. Right. And flew back on a Monday and like, I think it was two days before Thanksgiving. I uh, woke up and my sciatica was pinched. Don't know how it happened. But it wasn't any trauma that I can think of. It, 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 just woke up and it was pinched and one of the most painful things I've ever gone through and would never wish on anybody. Like my whole right leg was just numb from, from, from my hips all the way down to my feet. It's just, just numb. And there's nothing. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. So we had trials in April of 2012 to go to the Paralympics and um, my division, I was fighting the heavyweight division I was 221 and the heavyweight division started at 220 and went up to whatever weight it was. There was no end weight. So I was, right. I was a small, I was a small heavyweight, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was going to go to trials and try to fight at the 198 division. That was my plan until my nerve got pinched. And then, uh, yeah, wasn't able to make the trials and went back to judo Later on in 2012, kind of had a setback with my nerve. And then I was like, you know what? I love judo, but my body doesn't love judo. Um, so I had to walk away at that point. I, I miss it. I think about getting back into it all the time. Now they have um B1 division. So when I was competing, 
be ones who are totally blind or just people with light perception who fight people all the way up to B threes, you know, high partials or whatever. But now they're separating the divisions, so they're all B one divisions, and I'm a B one. Hmm. So I was like, oh, I, I I should get back into it, but nah, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I want to put my body through that. Right, right. So you would say okay. it's definitely definitely more intense than beatball overall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just you know, like I said, with the practicing, you definitely get thrown hundreds of times a night. You know. People practicing on you and, you know, when you're sparring and it's just, just a lot on the body. For sure. Yep. But yeah, that is pretty cool that, uh, you know, you got to visit some pretty unique places and, and compete, uh, you know, fairly high level there for a couple of years. And we went, when we were in Guadalajara in 2011, um, being in the athletes village, knowing that, you know, the able-bodied judo players were just here like two weeks before us sleeping in the same beds and, you know, fighting at the same venues and, yep. um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. Nice. G- getting treated like, getting treated like royalty, having, you know, police escorts and, you know, get off the plane and going through the airport and get all these ambassadors there to greet you and help you with whatever. Felt, felt like the king of Zamunda, as I told my sensei. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I know uh, in general, you know, Paralympics and Olympics have really, you know, tried to align in, in recent times. And just in terms of, like you're saying, the how the athletes are kind of handled and what they're offered and and whatnot. So it sounds like you got a, a nice taste of that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, any other adaptive sports you've gotten to try or maybe something that you haven't tried that uh, you'd like to sometime? So just, I mean, I haven't tried on a competitive level, but just being in a gym and throwing a go ball around, I did that. Um, wasn't anything official. I think it's a Paralympic sport. I know they play internationally. Um, I don't know if you ever heard it's called Power Showdown. Hmm, um, I've heard of it, but I'm not too familiar. Yeah. So it's it's almost like air hockey for blind people. You got two paddles, not like the air hockey paddles, but more like um, skinny ping pong paddles. And you have a ball with like a bell in it. Hmm. And you're playing on a, a table. It's like a pool table with the top over it. And then there's walls around the side to keep the ball in play or whatever. And you're just whacking this ball back and forth, trying to, you know, score a goal in the hole in the table. And, um, one of the guys who were in the, in the b-ball league had a table that he would bring to different tournaments, world series throughout the year mm-hmm. and, you know, put it in the hospitality room and there's, there'll be a line out the door. People want to get in and play <laughs> and, um, playing that. I was like, yeah, I could, I could do this. <laughs> and I, I know they play international, but I'm not sure if it's quite made it to the Paralympics yet, but that would be something I would definitely be interested in if it became a Paralympic sport. Yeah, I definitely want to research that now and uh, possibly do an episode on that. That sounds super cool. Uh, it's it's super loud. Like, I want to get a table, but I'm like, I need a soundproof room or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yep. it's, it's, it's very exciting. Very exciting. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, so then to wrap up here, just uh, I wanted to give the chance to uh, give any final words on 
someone who's listening, you know, who's never really competed in any kind of adaptive sports or is not too active, but maybe is interested in kind of taking that first step, what kind of advice would you give them? And, you know, what are the benefits that you've kind of seen over the years uh, playing adaptive sports? So I know for me, the benefits um, have been meeting other blind people who are competitive and who are competitive in not just on the field, but off the field and, you know, their careers and seeing the different careers that blind people have gotten into, um, not just being pigeonholed into working, you know, at blind organization businesses and stuff like that, meeting tons of people around the country, around the world, getting to travel around the country and around the world and just being um, an athlete, you know, not feeling like you can't do it, but actually getting out there and competing and have that feeling of being an athlete, just like a sighted person. You, there's, there's nothing like it. Cause once you're on that field or on that judo mat, it's, it's, it's the norm. It, it makes you, to me, it makes me feel more normal when I'm on the field or when I was competing in judo, the blindness went out the window. I was just a, a regular athlete competing to win. And that's that's what I would say um, to anybody who is thinking about getting into adaptive sports. There's tons of sports out there. Find you one that you would like and and get into it. And you, you won't look back at it. You won't have second thoughts about it. Definitely. Very, uh, very well said and, and wise words. I appreciate that. No doubt, no doubt. Okay, so again, uh, we've been chatting with Demetris Morrow, uh, a.k.a. Demo. And uh, first off, just really appreciate the time, uh, Demo. Thanks so much for your, your insight, uh, just kind of your perspective on everything. And I uh, really enjoyed it and uh, look forward to, to following your career. Oh, uh, man, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm, a, I'm a listener, I'm a follower of yours, so I um, appreciate being here. And... Um, Am I going to see you on the field this year? Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yep. But, uh, yep. We'll have to link up and have a beer or something. Definitely would be a lot of fun. Alrighty. Again, really appreciate it, man. Take it easy. You too. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.